0: contact firefighter was fatally um, injured in the Prince George Fire Centre.
1: Tonight on the News Hour, tragedy on the wildfire front lines. Another firefighter killed on duty. This time near Fort Saint John. Plus,
2: it's imperative that the federal government bring some peace to this and intervene to ensure that our ports stay open.
1: No deal. Unionized port workers reject a proposed settlement. How the feds are responding? And. A small plane headed to Salmon Arm from Calgary crashes, claiming the lives of six people. You're watching Global BC. This is Global Hour at 6. Thank you for joining us. We begin with another tragic loss this historic wildfire season in BC. Another wildland firefighter has died, this time in the Peace Region, battling the largest wildfire in BC history. As Julia Foy reports, this death follows three other wildfire-related fatalities in western Canada this month.
2: A 25-year-old contractor who was working with over 100 wildfire fighters in the fierce battle to tame the Donny Creek Fire has lost his life near Fort St. John.
3: The D.C. Wildfire Service can confirm that on Friday, July 28, 2023, a contract firefighter was... Um, fatally injured in the Prince George Fire Centre while responding to a wildfire.
2: The RCMP say the wildland firefighter was riding on a UTV when it rolled over a steep drop on a gravel road. He was transported to hospital by helicopter but succumbed to his injuries en route. Premier David Evey says in a statement, I am devastated to learn that we have lost another wildfire fighter. My heart goes out to the family, friends and colleagues of this frontline hero. On behalf of all British Columbians, we grieve this terrible news with you. This fatality comes just a week after the funeral for 19-year-old Devon Gale, who was killed by a falling tree on July 13th while fighting a fire near her hometown of Revelstoke.
4: Her name will be known, will be spoken, will be celebrated, and will serve as a reminder to us all of the dangers inherent of the work that we do.
2: Two days after Gail was killed, a firefighter from the Northwest Territories also died. 25-year-old Adam Yeadon was a father to a two-year-old girl. Then a helicopter pilot battling a wildfire in Alberta died. 41-year-old Ryan Gould leaves behind his wife and two boys. He has
5: taken care of the people and not just fought the fires. So I want you to know he is a
2: real-life hero. It's been almost a decade since anyone was killed fighting a forest fire in B.C., This summer will be a grim reminder of the dangers that exist. Premier Eby says this wildfire season has been profoundly awful. We are so grateful to this firefighter and all of our firefighters for their daily heroism. This tragic news reminds us yet again of the extraordinary sacrifices they make to keep us safe. This fourth wildfire fighter death is being investigated by the rcmp B.C. Coroner Service, WorkSafe B.C. and the B.C. Wildfire Service. Julia Foy, Global News.
1: Now to a deadly plane crash in Alberta involving a headed to B.C.
6: The Hercules crew and Alberta Parks Mountain Rescue Program responders confer- confirmed there were no survivors.
1: The small aircraft going down in Kananaskis Country Village claiming the lives of six people from the Calgary area. Heather Yorick's West reports live from near the plane crash site in Kananaskis country. Heather, where was the plane headed to?
7: Yeah, Travis, this was a small plane that took off from Calgary's Springbank Airport last night around 9 p.m. It was en route to Salmon Arm, B.C., where the group aboard was uh, reportedly heading to attend a church event. Now, that plane lost contact about 30 minutes into its journey, and from there a massive search and rescue effort was triggered involving members of Canada's military Royal Canadian Air Force Hercules aircraft as well as Alpine helicopters from Alberta Parks Mountain Rescue. Now thanks to uh, a transmission signal from a device aboard the aircraft, crews were able to locate the wreckage site quite quickly. It was found on a mountain called Mount McGilvery, which is about 5 kilometers north of Kananaskis Village. It is a mountain that is easily seen from the highway, from the Trans-Canada Highway between Calgary and Banff. So crews were able to reached that site early this morning and that is when they made the grim confirmation that all six people aboard that aircraft had died.
6: As you can imagine recovering the bodies of the pilot and the passengers was very challenging due to the difficult terrain. However all six bodies have been successfully recovered.
2: This morning we had a bit of cloud. Uh, Thankfully the crew working with uh, the military did an amazing job being able to spot the recovery and hone in on the ELT. And then working with them closely, we were able to get onto site fairly quickly.
7: Now from here, the, uh, the investigation is going to be turned over to Canada's Transportation Safety Board. Two investigators have been dispatched to the area. They are due to arrive uh, early tomorrow, so they will be back on scene as they try to piece together exactly what went wrong, what caused this fatal plane crash. Travis?
1: Heather, your rest reporting live for us tonight. Heather, thank you. The federal government tonight is looking to bring an end to the B.C. port dispute. Late last night, the union, representing thousands of workers at ports up and down the West Coast, announced their members had voted to reject a tentative deal for the second time. Kamal Karimali has the latest, including what the federal labor minister has ordered.
4: The lot that was once allowed an action-packed picket line Quiet On this Saturday, the activity all happening instead at the port. While workers moved goods, the possibility of going back on strike weighs heavy. After the Longshore Workers Union rejected a deal for the second time late Friday night.
2: We are extremely disappointed that a deal has been rejected. The ports must stay open.
4: 7,400 B.C. port workers walked off the job more than a month ago, on strike for 13 days, costing billions in trade, a mediated deal tentatively agreed to last week. Yes, very surprised because the union leadership uh, um, told its member uh, to uh, ratify uh, the proposal. And it's quite surprising to see that the members have uh, decided not to The International Longshore and Warehouse Union said members voted no to the contract offer. The employers, the BC Maritime Employers Association, says the latest tentative agreement included a four-year package with a wage increase of 19.2 percent, increasing the average salary from $132,000 to $162,000 per year. Apparently, that's not what the membership is looking for. They're looking at job security and and not having
6: automation creep into into the ports.
4: The federal labor minister now says he may be looking into binding arbitration to end the job dispute, asking the Canada Industrial Relations Board to look into whether the union's rejection has eliminated any possibility of a resolution. If the board determines that to be the case, I have directed them to either impose a new collective agreement on the parties or impose final binding arbitration to resolve outstanding terms of the collective agreement.
2: It is vital that the federal government sees the broad implications of a further continuation of this dispute and intervene now to ensure that our ports stay open.
4: The waiting game continues while patience grows thin among industries hit hardest by this labour dispute. Kamel Karamali, Global News.
1: Police in Campbell River are investigating an attempted murder after a 21-year-old was stabbed multiple times. It happened last night on Cedar Street near 9th Avenue. Officers say the victim was stabbed by a 22-year-old who is known to him. The suspect resisted arrest and two officers were injured in the process. About 7 o'clock I was reading, uh, it was very quiet and just all of a
0: sudden just just an explosion of noise. People running, 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 running and, uh, and then I heard somebody call for help
1: and I got up and called the RCMP. It's important for the public to understand, most importantly
4: right now, this is a, an isolated incident where people knew each other uh, and there I- there is no danger to the general public at large involved with this incident. Drugs are believed
1: to be a factor in the altercation. Both the victim and suspect are receiving treatment in hospital and are expected to recover. A pedestrian was critically injured in an early morning hit-and-run crash in Surrey today. Police say the crash happened just after 12.30 this morning near the intersection of 128th Street and 82nd Avenue in Newton. A black sedan was heading north on 128th when the male pedestrian was struck. The victim's injuries are said to be life-threatening. The car with front-end damage left the scene. Alcohol and speed have not been ruled out as contributing factors. Anyone with information or dashcam footage is asked to call Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. One person is in hospital following an early morning crash involving a motorcycle in Coquitlam. Around 4.45 this morning, paramedics responded to a crash on Spuraway Street between Fleet Street and Armada Street. One person sustained injuries and was taken to hospital in serious condition. Evidence markers could be seen scattered across the roadway. Police remained in the area for much of the morning. Metro Vancouver Transit Police are investigating a stabbing on board a transit bus at the Guilford Bus Exchange last weekend. Around 3:30 p.m. last Saturday, police were called to the bus exchange for reports of a fight on board a bus. Police found a man suffering from an apparent stab wound to the abdomen. The man was rushed to hospital in critical condition. Investigators are still trying to determine the events which led up to the assault. They believe the incident began in the mall and the victim was chased onto the bus. A suspect is at large. Any witnesses are asked to contact police or crime stoppers. In the interior, both RCMP and search and rescue crews continue to search for two men who went missing separately on Okanagan Lake on Monday following a windstorm. As Victoria Femia reports, much of the search has been unsuccessful so far, but crews plan to keep going until they find something.
3: Almost one week later, and search and rescue teams continue to search for the two men who went missing during an intense windstorm Monday night. The two incidents were separate, with the first call coming in around 11 p.m. for a kayaker who has since been identified as 26-year-old Ellie Baruca. He separated from his group when the storm blew in. His kayak was later found,
5: but he never resurfaced our team has been uh, searching almost every day we're trying to search either early in the morning or later in the evening just because light is better for us. We're using, uh, with the assistance of Central Okanagan Search and Rescue, COSAR, we've used their remote operated vehicle and uh, combined underwater cameras.
3: About 15 minutes after that call, another came in for a man who went missing after his commercial fishing vessel capsized on Okanagan Lake near Ellison Provincial Park. The victim was identified by family members as Travis Van Hill. Vernon Search and Rescue paused operations on Friday and Saturday, but plan to continue on Sunday.
5: Uh, There has been some changes from what we understand as it pertains to releasing the scene. We still can't search immediately around the vessel as it is, but we can certainly do what we call surface searches. And shoreline searches.
3: According to VSAR, safety plays a big part into the tactics behind this rescue.
5: Well, there's a recovery effort uh, to be able to make it safe for divers to enter, enter the vessel. So we do not want to disturb that at all. Um, we do not need to search that immediate vicinity. We can be, you know, maintain a couple hundred meters or even a hundred meters away from it and circle around and close to shore.
3: Both RCMP and Search and Rescue say they will continue to search until the men are found.
5: It is our intent to always be able to bring somebody home. That being said, sometimes we're not able to.
3: Vernon Search and Rescue is reminding boaters that if you see crews conducting searches to give them at least 300 metres of space surrounding their vessels. Victoria Famia, Global News, Vernon.
1: A Lower Mainland MLA is calling on Transportation Minister Rob Fleming to resolve severe bottlenecks at the George Massey Tunnel. In a letter posted to Twitter, now Delta South MLA Ian Payton says the closure of the southbound lane on Highway 17A is causing drastic traffic congestion, forcing commuters to take lengthy detours and disrupting businesses. The highway route was damaged in an overpass collision by an oversized commercial vehicle 10 days ago. Payton is singling out the minister Putting forward a solution and requesting says, says his message is simple. More transparency from the provincial government as well as financial penalties to trucking companies that hit overpasses.
6: There's actually uh, three lanes going north. One of them is an HOV lane that is not heavily used. So we're saying why not make that HOV lane uh, open to traffic going in the opposite direction so we can get people out of the Tilbury Industrial Park area uh, through to Highway 17A and back out to Towson and Ladner.
1: The letter comes amid ongoing frustration in Ladner that a second overpass is not included in the George Massey Tunnel replacement project. While still to come, the new Old Town. The popular Royal BC Museum exhibit reopens to visitors. The changes that have museum officials calling it more inclusive. Also ahead, renters' advocates protesting an apparent housing loophole forcing residents from their homes so rent can be increased. What one landlord is saying. Protest was held outside an apartment building in New Westminster today over trying to end the so-called practice of landlord-use evictions. While the owner of that particular property denies carrying out the practice, renters and their supporters are calling on the province to close the loophole. Paul Johnson reports. He came to my apartment and asked me for a voluntary rent increase. Gary Rodden
8: says he'd never heard of such a thing. Renting in the Mandalay Terrace in New Westminster for 27 years and never missing a rent payment... He didn't feel obligated when he says the landlord came and asked for help with his costs. A few months later came this eviction notice explaining the landlord's son now needed to move in, so Gary had to go. But neighbors, he says, had seen this before.
9: They've told me that a son has moved in, but only briefly for maybe a month or two. Then they moved back out again. The apartment is renovated, and then the rent is doubled, and they rent it to somebody else. The landlord's
8: family scenario. It's allowed in B.C., but not as a ruse to get a legacy tenant out to charge more rent. On Saturday, the Tenants' Rights Group Acorn held this protest at Gary's building, saying they've seen paperwork that shows a systemic pattern of bad-faith evictions by the building's owner. Ron Sanga of Heron Investments. I'm hearing about a lot of these cases. Vancouver property lawyer Ashley Sire says there are many legitimate instances of a landlord's family needing housing. But rising rents have also created another incentive.
3: But Unfortunately, there are a lot of situations where landlords are trying to treat this as a loophole to get tenants out who are not paying enough rent uh, in their view.
8: The Ministry of Housing told Global News they've taken steps in recent years to protect tenants from abuse of the landlord's family provision. But tenants have to fight for it, which Gary is doing at a hearing this fall. As for the owner, his company told Global News, we can assure you that this is not our practice and the allegation is unfounded. If the landlord prevails, Gary says he's facing a bleak situation. Why do you choose to stay and fight it as opposed to just move on? Move where? In New West, Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: The Old Town Gallery has reopened to the public at Victoria's Royal BC Museum. The new approach is the first phased of a multi-year project to transform the museum, which was done with public consultation after the provincial government's $789 million rebuild plan was scrapped following public backlash. Updates have been made to Old Town to make it more inclusive, such as newly produced videos by museum staff playing in the movie theater, showing Indigenous history.
0: had a very narrow view of Old Towns in British Columbia. And so when... Old Town closed, and then we realized that the museum was going to be staying here, it was an opportunity, okay, let's reopen it, but let's reimagine it in a way that is more inclusive. And so that's what we're trying to do. But we want to do it with British Columbians. So this is just our first start. We've got lots of panels around and some new things, and the public will get a chance to give us feedback, and then we're going to just keep working it and working it and working it until uh, we're happy. And then it, but it'll be an evolving space.
1: Leslie Brown says the structure itself is still the same, so visitors will see many favourite parts of the exhibit, including the train station, kitchen and saloon. While many home electronics can be very difficult or even impossible to repair, a UBC program is bringing attention to the problem of so-called single-use electronics. UBC's Bike Kitchen hosting an info session at Robson Square this afternoon. From e-bikes to smartphones, they say many consumer electronics are built to fail And too often, manufacturers don't provide fair access to spare parts or repair manuals. They say big tech companies are infringing on the consumer's right to repair, all to maximize profits.
5: In terms of bikes that are built to fail, um, bikes that have certain designs that make repair impossible or very costly for the consumer, or extremely complicated for someone who's trying to repair it themselves. So we need to ensure that we put the pressure in the right direction of creating consumers, protecting the consumer's right to repair,
0: as well as create policy incentives for them to be able to make repairable products.
1: They add right-to-repair legislation in Canada and the U.S. is falling far behind other parts of the world, including Europe and Australia. Coming up, major job action in Ontario. Thousands of grocery workers walk off the job as they push for better pay. Also ahead, the World Police and Fire Games get started in Winnipeg, but there's concern about who's participating. There's another labour dispute playing out in Canada, this one ...on the East Coast.
10: Working people at grocery stores are just not making ends meet.
1: 3,700 workers at 27 Toronto-area grocery stores walked off the job this morning... ...after rejecting a tentative contract agreement that initially averted strike action earlier this month. Metro workers are pushing for better pay, benefits and working conditions... Staff say inflation and the cost of living has hit so hard they can't even afford the food they're selling at those stores and they're having to turn to food banks for support. Five people have been injured in a shooting outside of a Safeway in Seattle Friday night. At least one of the people shot was critically injured. Shots rang out just before 8 o'clock last night. Ironically, it happened during an event that's part of the Seattle Community Safety Initiative. Police say they don't know what led to the shooting no suspects have been arrested. The World Police and Fire Games are getting underway in Winnipeg, but some activists are raising concerns about who's participating. Global's Catherine Dornian has more on why some are questioning the decision to invite the Hong Kong police force to this competition.
0: Friday night's opening ceremonies were full of pomp and circumstance, welcoming teams from all around the world to Winnipeg. But some activists are calling into question the presence of the Hong Kong police at the World Police and Fire Games.
5: I think it's really um, inappropriate that, in the first place, that they invite um, those um, Hong Kong uh, police force to come to Canada to complete this game.
0: Mabel Tung, chair of an organization which advocates for human rights in China, was distressed at the police force's inclusion. Earlier this month, the police force offered one million Hong Kong dollars, over 100,000 Canadian, for information leading to the arrests of eight former pro-democracy lawmakers. All eight are currently living abroad and are accused of violating national security laws. Margaret McQuig johnston international relations researcher at the University of Ottawa, was also
5: shocked. We had the bounties on eight pro pro-Hong Kong, um, uh, pro-democracy Hong Kong legislators. And and then we invite them, roll out the red carpet to almost 300 police officers. It's incredible.
0: According to the Games COO, the World Police and Fire Games Federation has banned multiple countries from the Games, including Russia. Mike Edwards says they make those decisions based on federal government policy.
4: When it comes to uh, other situations, we do follow what the Canadian government is uh, providing to us as direction. And so uh, as that wasn't uh, a part of that, uh, we didn't uh, have any reason to adjust our registration process.
0: But Tung says their presence at the Games could bring back bad memories for Hong Kongers living in Winnipeg. She says many of them fled Hong Kong because of the police's crackdown on protesters in the past several years.
5: They have um, uh, a lot of trauma and even P- uh, PTSD, so it, it it will be make them really nervous and and anxious when they uh, go up on the street on the, the next few weeks.
1: Catherine Dornian, Global News. The Lower Mainland Green Team spent their morning beautifying the Bonzer Recreation Complex. A total of 100 community members joined the Green Team to take part in the team's largest cleanup ever. The goal of the event is to connect with the community along with ensuring litter stays out of ecosystems and waterways. Organizers say the success of this event has led to more being scheduled in the future.
11: So this is one of five litter cleanups that we're running with the City of Burnaby Engineering Department uh, this summer. Our first one was in May at Ron McLean Park. Our next one will be on August 26th at uh, the Edmonds Community Centre. And our last one will be on September 30th at the Eileen Daly Community Centre. And uh, the Lower Mainland Green Team, though, in general, we've run uh, about 400, over 400 activities since our founding in 2011.
1: All volunteers at the event received a token of appreciation from a sustainable business. Well, coming up, Taylor Swift's live performance moves her fans so much, they cause a swift quake. The seismic activity recorded at the Singers' Seattle concerts. BC's largest Caribbean celebration is on this weekend. The Caribbean Days Festival has returned to Coquitlam for the second year after moving from North Vancouver and is expected to attract more than 60,000 people. Our Michael Newman has more from the middle of the action.
9: All right, we're here at Caribbean Days 2023. It's an amazing, amazing event, bringing the community together to celebrate the sights, the smells, the sounds of the Caribbean. And joining me right now, I have Avita and Shannon, with the organizers to help put this together. How are we feeling about the event so far? I'll start with
10: you. Enthusiastic, excited, tired, yes. but it's all worth it.
9: Yes. Yeah. And Shannon, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background. It's in a festival that's been going on a long time. So talk to me about the importance of celebrating the Caribbean culture here in Coquitlam. It's very important, especially here in Coquitlam, because we have quite a multicultural uh, uh, com- community here. Yeah. And we have a wonderful city. We've got a wonderful park. Everybody loves it here. This place is always busy. Whether it's a festival or not, it's very busy. Absolutely. And and happy to be here. Yes, and it's you know it's, it's, it's a good day. It's perfect weather. It's happening this weekend. So there's going to be music. There's food. Um, what are some of the highlights that people should come for this weekend?
10: If you're not already here, our multicultural costume parade is about to start. It's going to start just behind the Rocky Point ice cream and end off at the stage. Uh, But we also have a children's parade that will happen tomorrow afternoon. Uh, We are an open site uh, for alcohol, so you can come and purchase your alcoholic beverages. We do have Carib. We have Trinidad signature beer. I know some of you, you know, we're looking forward to that. And you can buy your beverage and walk around the park and enjoy the sights. Of course, we have double the number of food trucks that we did last year. So, Hopefully the lineups won't be as long. Yeah. Um, lots to see in an outstanding uh, live stage entertainment lineup with some international artists.
9: There we go. All right. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing else that's more important than being here. I obviously have a vested interest because my ancestors come from the Caribbean, but this is an amazing festival. Thank you all so much for what you do to, to bring this to life. And hopefully, you know, you come back with some new memories, right?
10: You Absolutely. better believe it. Yep. Thank you. Certainly yeah. our pleasure to host. And thank you to the city of Coquitlam for, and, and everybody who comes from the valley, from the other side of um, near UBC and the North Shore for your enthusiastic, overwhelming positive support. Awesome, We're very happy. Awesome.
9: All yeah, right, right. All right. We're going to send it
1: back to you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Michael. A wildfire burning in Washington state has become highly visible from Osuyus. The Eagle Bluff fire is burning southwest of Oroville and less than 20 kilometers from the Canadian border. The fire started earlier today and is less than an acre in size, but crews have warned residents in the Blue Lake area to get ready to evacuate. Officials say the fire is moving north and winds are blowing smoke into Canada. Okay, Yvonne is here now with weather. Yvonne, it's the last day of fireworks, the celebration of light. How is it looking for that tonight?
12: Pretty nice out there. Anticipate it's going to be busy. And as always, uh, get down there early, get your spot. Uh, But we are going to see conditions clear this evening and temperatures are going to be on the rise in the long range. But first off right now, we're sitting at 22. We've got a southeasterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. Temperatures today hot though for a few spots. I wanted to show you the hot spots so far. Salmon Arm, 35.5. And a few other spots across the province. Uh, Highs today for Prince George up to 27 in areas near Nelson, topping out at 34. We do still have some active weather. Severe thunderstorm watch. These are all areas that are in orange. We're still seeing the potential. We've got some lightning that's working its way in. The cell just working from Quinell all the way in towards Prince George. So lightning, intense uh, winds and rain rather and we could see very gusty winds at times. Also, smoky skies bulletin still in effect for the northeastern corners. Areas near Fort Nelson impacted by the smoke over the next 24 and potentially up to the next 48 hours. Now we've got this ridge of high pressure. This is the big weather story that will continue to follow in the coming days into early next week this ridge will strengthen. We'll see some of the warmest temperatures along the south coast and that'll be Tuesday and taking us in towards our Wednesday. So here's a quick snapshot away from the water. Upper 20s and pushing closer to 30 degrees in areas in towards the interior with some of the hottest days getting into the mid-30s. So be prepared Wednesday, Thursday for the interior. We'll continue to track very hot and dry conditions and the drought continues as well. Now along the northern half of the province we are seeing some showers, temperatures up to 7 inland with that risk of thunder. thunderstorms. Thunderstorms similar for the northeastern corners and across the central interior. We do have some cloud cover for the morning hours and towards the interior, breaks towards the afternoon with highs pushing closer to 30 degrees. Whistler underneath a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 23. A few isolated showers or even a slight risk of a thunderstorm across the island will be for the early afternoon and then the lower mainland. We still track that heat. It is going to be a warm one through the day tomorrow. Temperatures will be up to 23 with the Humidex, will feel like 25. And as we get into early next week, Travis, especially Tuesday, Wednesday, the heat is on. Sunny and highs between 27 and 28 degrees. Back to you.
1: Okay, thanks, Yvonne. Music superstar Taylor Swift has been shattering concert ticket sales right around the world with her latest tour. So it's no surprise she and her rabid fans in Seattle last weekend created enough seismic activity to surpass the beast quake earthquake from 2011. Our report is from King 5 News. Two
13: very different crowds. One very similar outcome, both have caused seismic activity thanks to their cheers. (gasps) The first in 2011, when Marshawn Lynch's touchdown caused Seahawks fans to go wild. And now, when more than 70,000 Swifties filled Lumen Field.
11: Somebody posted and said, well, did the Taylor Swift concert make a beast quake? And I was like,
13: oh, I'm on that. That's fun. So Western Washington University geology professor Jackie Kaplan-Auerbach plotted the seismic activity from last weekend's two concerts. And when she stacked the shaking on top of each other, it's clear they match, showing virtually the same set list was played each night, and from that data, she could see one key difference from the two nights. I actually kind of, you know, did math
11: and, uh, okay, to my data, it looks like it was delayed by 26 minutes. And somebody
13: responded immediately, oh yes, it was delayed by about a half an hour. A fun part of this whole experiment, the citizen science element. She says the internet and several local teenagers have been a key part in collecting data, mostly in the form of screaming videos. Do the two big events compare? Jackie points out there are differences. Taylor Swift had a slightly larger crowd and was directly on the field. Plus, the beat helps keep people in sync. So I want to put that caveat out there because I don't really want to get into kind of a
11: snickering match between Seahawks fans and Swifties. But I will say the Swifties have it in the bag. It, this was much bigger than the beast quake in terms of raw amplitude of shaking. Um, and it went on for a whole lot longer. Of course, the you know, the beast quake was a moment in time. But thus
13: far, the Swifties really have have uh, Seahawks fans beat. But regardless of the outcome, she points out that this is a way to make science unique and entertaining.
11: If we can demystify what science is, I think it makes it much more accessible to everybody. And it makes it a more enjoyable aspect of you know, of our,
13: our, our, studies. Leo Pizzetti, King 5 News.
1: Okay, Yvonne, you were in Seattle <laughs> during these concerts. You didn't go to the concert. No,
12: I actually went to the Jays game, but still, I was walking through the crowds a little bit earlier, and it—I imagine that happened because there was just that amount of people. The volume. I think that stadium holds over seventy thousand people, so it's just incredible, right? Just a swift quake. I, I can only imagine. Like it was incredible. Like it, just to see the people dressed up and between all the activities that were going on. I was there on Sunday. This happened, I guess, on Saturday, but still, I just think that it's incredible. To see some of those numbers soaring.
1: Yeah and her fans young enough you know to have the energy to jump around <laughs> totally. and cause seismic activity as well. I think that plays into it. Yeah, beating out the beast quake. yeah I, but
14: the beast quake is like a legendary moment. I mean there are lots of Taylor Swift concerts all around the world. <laughs> there is only one beast quake can only happen once that was in a playoff game in 2011 against the Saints Marshawn Lynch. Okay, we'll talk some football also uh, when I kept my little chance. Because the Lions are in Edmonton trying to hand the Elks
1: their 21st straight loss at home. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Squire. Still to come, preparing for life after the wildfires. Ranchers in the Kamloops area say livelihoods could be lost if the government doesn't help reseed scorched grass. Firefighting crews are still trying to get the upper hand on the Rossmoor Lake wildfire, burning about 10 kilometres south of Kamloops. But area ranchers are already planning their next steps when the danger finally passes. Michael Reeve of CFJC reports.
15: Cattle have been he- here since spring uh, and they're not going anywhere until fall. The other ones up top, our neighbours and myself had to get them out because the fire was right there.
6: Doug Houghton already went through the challenge of moving more than 400 head of cattle due to the Rossmore Lake fire, but admits the hard work will truly begin once the fire is out.
15: I want to see this stuff logged and helicopter seeded with grass before snow flies this winter. Because if you wait for another year,
16: then it's just a mess. We haven't had moisture since last summer at this time. B.C.
6: Cattlemen's Association General Manager Kevin Boone agreed that quick action to reseed the area will be required to ensure ranchers can recover from the fire. We lose
16: fences, we lose infrastructure, we lose the bush, we lose the trees that are the shelter. Uh, But more importantly, a lot of times, and especially in our firefighting, where we build fire gardens and stuff, we create a uh, the um, atmosphere or the ability for the noxious weeds, the invasive plants to take hold. Boone also spoke to the dangers of losing vegetation on steeper terrain. We need the vegetation to hold the soil. Uh, when we get, uh, if we get some of these heavy rains and stuff with no ground cover, we've got nothing to hold the soil. Fire goes through, and it actually. Uh, makes that
6: soil hydrophobic where it repels the water. The Cattlemen's Association is still rebuilding 1,400 kilometres of fences from the 2021 wildfire and flood seasons and will now be tasked with rebuilding even more fence line. The fires this year have been more
16: to the north. Um, This fire here that's outside of Kamloops right now is our first major one to the south. And it is in uh, the prime ranching country. Those are grasslands that are burning. It's not the same as the intense forest fires that are there, which we're fortunate on. Um, And and so that rebuilding is important. Some of my other neighbours
15: move them, you know, on horseback to
6: get them to a different part of their range. Houghton has been in contact with his neighbours about preparing to act as soon as it's safe to do so and expects the community in Knutsford to rally together. I'll
15: work with the B.C. Cattlemen and our local government officials to work on you know, getting not only myself, but all my neighbours looked after and get some sourcing of funding to, to uh, get that logged and get it reseeded. And fences. Fences are probably the most expensive part of the deal.
6: Approximately 344 properties remain on evacuation order, with more than 150 others on alert. Michael Reeve, CFJC
1: News. After the break, Squire's here with sports. The B.C. Lions in action today against Edmonton. Stay with us.
9: at Langley Event Center for the CEBL Championship weekend. Be there August 9th through 13th as four Canadian Elite Basketball League teams, including the Bandits, compete for the championship trophy. Plus see a concert lineup of top performers including Sunreal and Boslin. Stanley Park will be filled with laughter this summer. The Great Outdoors Comedy Festival is back with Canadian comedy icon Russell Peters and Hollywood megastar Kevin Hart as headlining acts. See full lineup online. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, build
8: your community. Global BC Community Hub,
1: bringing your worlds together. Okay, Squire, the Edmonton Elks looking to not break a record today. <laughs> I don't like their chances.
14: They are, they are, as I said to you in the break, the Edmonton Elks are worse than my hair right now. The uh, last time the Elks won a home game, they weren't even called the Elks. But it was against the B.C. Lions. However, in that game, uh, quarterback Mike Riley, the Lions starting quarterback that game, got hurt. And the Lions offense was not very good after that. And that game was back in October of 19, 2019. Since then, though, the Edmonton Elks have lost... 20 straight at home, which is shocking. You'd think you'd fluke one out at home sooner or later. And today they were trying to break that streak against the Lions, who once again were missing their starting quarterback, Vernon Adams. But this time, the Lions have a capable backup in Dane Evans. And they have a defense that shut out the Elks the last time they played them. Here's Vernon Adams in his civvies. And Taequann Mizell is back in the lineup. And on this drive, he helped get the Lions in the field goal range, and they took a 3-0 lead. And then the Lions would get another field goal on this drive, which was highlighted by a long throw from Evans to Alex Hollins. Didn't get all the way to the end zone, but Sean White was able to kick it through the uprights, and BC had a 6 nothing lead. The Lions did get a touchdown, though, before halftime. It's Justin McInnes as Evans throws this one right where he has to. Between two Elk defenders, as you can see, not a lot of fans in Edmonton, but then again, why would you wanna go if your team always loses at home? Lions defense has been outstanding. Matthew Betts just keeps running and running and running until he makes a tackle on Kevin Brown. The last time I checked, the Elks had not gotten past the 54-yard line of the BC Lions. That's how good the defense has been. There's another touchdown, one, Mizell. Very first in the CFL. The Lions are up 23 to nothing, now 24 to nothing, and here they're harassing Taylor Cornelius. And the defense has another shutout going against Edmonton. Yeah, the Elks haven't scored in seven quarters a point on the Lions. Okay, so they played a game in Halifax today. Touchdown, Atlantic. It was the Argos, the only team to beat B.C. this year and haven't lost this year to anybody against the Riders. Javon Leak, this is a 71-yard punt return touchdown as the boys in baby blue stay unbeaten. The champs still haven't been defeated as they beat Saskatchewan 31-13. Well, the Vancouver Whitecats will play the LA Galaxy tomorrow in Los Angeles, and the winner of that game will go to the knockout round of the MLS's League's Cup, which is the cup they have with the, uh, all the teams in the Mexican League. The problem with this tournament, it comes in the middle of the season. So if you get knocked out in the group stage, you'll have to wait about three weeks for the regular season to start up again. That's why the Whitecaps will likely play a lineup with a lot of regulars, although backup Keeper Isaac Bomer is expected to start instead of Takayoka. The uh, Caps did beat L.A. recently, 4-2 at BC Place. In that game, they jumped out to a 3-0 lead and held on. But Vanni Sartini doesn't think that game will be similar to the one we'll see tomorrow. It's going to
8: be very hard. It's going to be very hard, I think, for two reasons. Uh, one, uh, they're a very good team at home. Uh, and uh, they, play, they play well at home. And then I think that it doesn't help that two weeks ago we, I see, we won with 3-0 the first half and everything. So they, they probably want to show everyone that, okay, it was, like a, it was like just a thing of a day. Last time in Vancouver, we, we're going to be better than that.
14: If Nigeria beats Ireland, then Monday's game between Canada and Australia at the Women's World Cup will decide which of those two teams continues on to the knockout phase. Um, Now, Canada will be playing not only in front of a whole bunch of Australian fans, but Australia's best player will likely play as well. Sam Kerr, who missed the first two games of the World Cup with a calf injury, but she appears ready to go on Monday.
16: I'm really confident. I think um, last time we played Canada we had, obviously we didn't get the results, but we had four or five players out missing and we feel really confident. We've grown so much over the last year and yeah, um, no,
14: we feel really confident. Blue Jays today taking on the Angels. And it was a bit of a batting practice afternoon for a couple of Jays. Santiago Espinal here with the uh, two-run homer. Make it 2-1 in the fifth. Alejandro Kirk had a couple as well. He hooks this one, 3-1. The, one, one. the only guy who didn't get a homer, Shohei Otani. Jimmy Garcia strikes him out right here, and the Jays win it by the score of 6-1. There it is, right there. There's the score, 6-1. Okay. There we go. Thanks, Wyatt. My pen broke, and it's a disaster now. Well, and, I uh, fixed it.
1: You done? I'm done. I fixed it. Well, we actually have one more sports story. Oh, good. We did get. Oh, okay. Yeah, next up in the silver lining in Langley, two years later from Japan. We'll explain after the break. Okay, now to a ceremony in Langley tonight that's been two years in the making. The Canadian men's 4 x 100 meter relay team received their Olympic silver medals at the Canadian National Trials at McLeod Athletic Park just a short time ago. The group of Andre de Grasse, Aaron Brown, Brendan Rodney and Jerome Blake had initially earned bronze at the Tokyo Games two years ago. But an official upgrade came in May 2022 after the British team was disqualified due to a doping violation by one of their team members. And the Philippines will light up the sky over English Bay tonight as the final entry into the Honda Celebration of Light. Spectators have already been treated to dazzling shows from teams from Australia and Mexico. Tens of thousands flocked to downtown Vancouver for the first two nights and tonight isn't expected to be any different. Sergeant Steve Addison with the Vancouver Police Department says all hands are on deck to ensure a safe event for everyone.
4: Anytime we get so many people
1: cramming into a small space, the downtown core, the West End, um, there's a few, you know, a few incidents that arise, but by and large, everybody's been extremely well-behaved. We've had no major incidents. It's been safe, fun, family-friendly, and we nothing else uh, tonight but that. The fireworks are scheduled to begin at 10 p.m. People are encouraged to ditch their cars and take transit, walk, or cycle to the festival. I haven't been able to catch any of the fireworks uh, this year. Well, it really helps if you live down there
14: because trying to get down there when you're not a resident of the West End or downtown is a little bit difficult. But if there's a will, there's a way.
1: Yeah, if you live down there, you basically have no choice because you're stuck. (laughs) That's right. It's, It's basically in your backyard. Have a good night, everyone.